to episode 31 of this Stomp the Bus show. I'm your host, Mark Harris, along t- alongside uh, my wonderful co-host, Colton Dodgson. Colton, how's it going? Thanks for uh, that introduction, Mark. I'm glad you powered through that. Um, thank you for calling me wonderful as well. That's very sweet. Uh, another triumphant return to the show. Um, finally talking a little basketball. We wear multiple hats on this show. Um, so I'm excited to get into that a little bit. It's uh, we're, we're hanging on by a thread here, Mark. Yeah. Well, we did talk about basketball last week. Uh, if you had listened. I think Colton. you did. Yeah. Yeah. That's back when ASU actually had a reasonable – well, th- we'll get into it. But when ASU had much better tournament hopes after uh, the McHale Mary. Uh, but right now it's looking a little more dire for ASU men's basketball. The regular season has come to a close. They finished 20-11, and 11, which for ASU basketball standards, that's not terrible. But considering how – well, they played in the non-con to finish 11 and 9 in conference. It's just a meh feeling, you know. Yeah, and then there's, you know, there's some bad losses in that mix too. Obviously, that that four game span. I'm trying to pull up who that was against, but I remember that uh, those four losses: UCLA and USC, and then losing at Washington and at Washington. Yeah, State. that that was the yeah. That one's not. It's not great. Um, but I mean. Washington State, kind of a, a feisty team, not terrible, but losing to Washington, uh, not ideal. Then obviously that loss to San Francisco. There's a lot of um, Colorado. Yeah, exactly. Tech Colorado, Texas Southern. There's a lot of there's a lot of solid wins in here when you look at this. Well, I, I wouldn't say a lot, but there are solid enough. Wins. Enough, yeah. right? That's why we're having this conversation. Is there there is enough? on this resume where you could make the, the case. Um, and like you said, things were, things were looking uh, a lot less dire. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it because I, I would struggle to say that they looked good after that Arizona win. Um, it looked okay. After that Arizona win though, like you felt like, okay, like we can still do this, you know? And, right. and I, I honestly feel more like that now than I did after that Arizona game, quite frankly. I I mean, three games in a row on the road, it was going to be pulling, going two and one in that stretch would have been, and they still almost did it. I mean, the fact that they were in that that USC game until the last shot um, is pretty incredible. And I I dove in a little bit on that game and we can get to that a little uh, down the road a little bit. Um, But honestly kind of an outlier in terms of how they got back and how they stayed in that game really um but still we're, we're gonna look at it a little get this tournament what we're gonna need to do um and I, I tend to think there's a very clear path for them to still get a bid um at you know at face value it seems to be check these two boxes and you're gonna get into that first four slate. Um, but we'll see. We'll dive in. We'll see how this tournament's going to shake out. Um, and, I mean, step one is avoid catastrophe against Oregon State. Uh, yeah. And that that's going to be the first domino that has to fall. Um, but we'll get into it. I'll let you I'll let you intro all of this. I'm getting a little too eager. Well, no, I mean, you. I, I do think before we kind of have this whole discussion, we need to just point it out. If they lose to Oregon State uh, tomorrow on Wednesday – 
Like, it's over. Get your NIT tickets. Like, it's... Well, it's over as it stands right now. Like, I mean, that's, well, that's yeah, but it's saying. Yeah. Like, we're talking about, like, we're talking about this right now is they still have a chance because they could potentially do some work in the Pac-12 tournament. I'm saying if they lose to Oregon State, it's, I mean, not obviously your seat, like, the the season is done, but it's also, like, it's not like you were, like, a a team that was, like, on the first four buys of the tournament or whatever. Like, you were going to be, like, a 10 seed or something, and then you lose to Oregon State, and it's like, ooh, well, I guess we might be going to the first four now, where it's like, no, we the first four is, like, our best hope, and if we lose to Oregon State, it's, abs- you know, it's all at the window. Right, um, that's, that's step one. There's no way around it. That's pretty obvious, you know, like, you have to avoid that letdown, and the fact that I even feel like that's in the the – realm of outcomes is it's very yeah very much in the <laughs> realm not of good outcomes. especially like i dove in on some of these oregon state numbers and they are just not a good team no they're um, they're not but i think in the two games they played asu this year asu's beat them by like five points each game yeah and it wasn't well, it, it, it was, wasn't like dominant you know no you're you're absolutely right i'm gonna pull those numbers up uh 68 57 at home that's a solid win and then Oh, but at Oregon State, 74-69. Yeah, that one was a little closer on the road. But college basketball games on the road, like, it doesn't really matter who you play. It's going to be tough to go get True, out. But it, road games are, are a completely different beast. But you're right. Oregon State, there's really no excuse. I mean, you win the game. That's that's good. But as I recall, I, I and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like that game was it was kind of close at one point. Like The one at home? No, the one at Oregon State. Like, I feel like that game. It was. Yeah. I mean, I didn't watch obviously that game. Obviously, the final score was close, but I'm saying, like, it, it might have even been, like, down to the wire and they had to hit a couple of free throws and it made it look like, you know what right. I'm saying? Like, yeah. that type of game. Totally. Um, totally. But either way, that's early in the year, January 14th. Uh, well, maybe not that early. <laughs> like, middle of the year. Yeah. Yeah, that's middle of the year. I mean, that's kind of right. That was the, their last win before that four-game losing streak. But uh, still, I mean, there's a shot, and it's it's a pretty clear shot. You don't really need a lot of help if you <laughs> take care of what you need to take care of, which is a very good situation for this team to be in, um, especially considering who they need to play. But I'll let you dive into it, and then I can chime in here a little bit. Yeah, so I want to get – kind of the context of where ASU is kind of on the bubble because for the most part if you're watching the show you paid attention to where ASU basketball has been the good start you beat Creighton you beat Michigan on the in New York uh obviously beating U of A starting the conference play they started conference play six and one and finished 11 and nine in conference like that is the Bobby Hurley special right there um and we're going to talk about him later but like just such it's 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 like such the typical ASU Bobby Hurley season pre-COVID, you know, where it's like, yeah. So uh, anyway, <coughs> excuse me, on the bubble right now, and this is on ESPN Joe Lenardi. So like, there's other bubble people out there. Most of these look fairly similar. Um, he has ASU right now, uh, 6:54 p.m. on Wednesday. Or on Tuesday, 6.54 p.m. on Tuesday. I just say that to, you know, things change. Um, he has ASU 
as the third team out behind Oklahoma State and Wisconsin and ahead of North Carolina and Michigan for that matter. Uh, so thanks, thanks Wolverines for not giving us a good enough win early in the season. Anyway, uh, I bring this up because after that loss to USC, I mean, I was feeling dejected about ASU. Um, I'm not, I know I'm not the only ASU fan who felt that, but they still have a very, they have a very clear way to get into the tournament. And honestly, I just think they need to win two games in the Pac-12 tournament. I think you yeah. beat Oregon State, doesn't matter what it looks like, just get it done. And if you beat USC, which you had a chance to do on Saturday, I don't know if you should have won, because sometimes when people, like, it's a close game, they just, oh, we should have won. It was, it's like, I don't know about that, but you had a chance to win, a legitimate chance to win. Um, they shot they shot 29% of that ESPN thing again. Hang on. Oh, okay, so they shot 29 they shot 29% from the field and lost that game by three points, which is, which is pretty incredible when you consider just, especially it seemed like early in that game, they could not buy a bucket. No. Nothing was falling. No. It was pretty, pretty much just DJ Warren first too. half. That's, that's pretty impressive. Um, they, they get killed on the glass though. That, that's kind of an outlier. Obviously those 20 offensive rebounds. I mean, they give up the eight, only eight teams in the country give up more rebounds to opponents than ASU. Really? In all only of the eight wow. teams. Only eight teams out of the 300 and whatever that yeah. are ranked, only eight of those teams give up more rebounds to opponents than ASU. Yeah, so that's... it took a bit of an outlier of a game, but USC isn't even a great rebounding team. They're like 110th in the country. Which, I mean, when you break it, that's, what, top 33rd percentile or something like that, but still. And they were missing one of their best players, who's a big guy. I forget his name. I'm going to look it up. But, like, that might have impacted it, too, you know. Right, but still, rebound, 39 rebounds allowed to USC, which is they average 35 a game this year. So, well above their average in terms of rebounds. So, I think you're going to see some, obviously, some regression to the mean, hopefully, in the field goal percentage regard hopefully they can shoot a little better um but those offensive rebounds I don't think obviously they're going to get near as many second chances in this game hopefully and I mean if they play USC again in the hypothetical rematch or three match I guess um if if they see USC again it's going to come down to that rebounding so yeah I, and shooting the ball better, you know, and, and there's, there's just a lot of things when you watch these games and even in that UCLA game, ASU got out to the 12-2 lead and you knew UCLA was going to fight their way back into it, obviously, but Bobby Hurley getting that technical foul kind of sweat, like swings everything and the game was never the same after that. It's, it's just little things throughout the game. That alley-oop in the USC game. That led to a five-point swing where Boogie Ellis hits the three the other way. It's well, just, Boogie Ellis was killing us. That, no, I know, but I, I'm saying but yeah, I, a I, fast yeah. break. I, I don't know if you remember the play, but there's a fast break where they try to slam it home, and it's just the most ridiculous alley-oop attempt you've ever seen. It's like the first time somebody's trying an alley-oop. That's what it looked like, and Boogie Ellis goes down the other way and hits a three. I'm kind of rambling, but it's just like – with this team, it's weird because you start talking about them, and then it's just like, 
oh yeah, but then they, they do this and they do this and they do this. And it's kind of like an avalanche of they yeah. can't do this. They can't do this. They can't do this. But either way, we're looking ahead to USC, which is something we should not do because nothing with this team is given. Um, so obviously Oregon state is going to be step one, but well, yeah. my thing in terms of looking ahead to USC, it's like, I mean, Oregon, we should beat Oregon state. I don't care. Like all the flaws ASU has, we should beat Oregon state. And so that's why the potential USC game is so important. And, um, you mentioned the, like, uh, Ali Upagana Rye from the USC game. Yeah. One of the reasons that doesn't stick in my head is because I've seen so many of those from this team this year. No, you're 100 percent right. It's like, I think it's it's like yeah, saying like, right. oh, remember that time when they took a a three super early in the shot clock? It's like yeah, a contested three. Run, it's like yeah, I, I don't a, remember that actually because they, they didn't run a like single offensive set, and they the part I think it's always it's always uh, Desmond Cambridge who just the second the ball hits his hand, he's he's shoot, he he honestly shoots sometimes like it's like. I don't know when I'll get to touch the ball again. I have to shoot this immediately, right. you know? Right. Um, but th- I think the reason, like, you're right. There's so many head-scratching plays like that that this team makes or or ridiculous <laughs> lapses, like the, the Bobby Hurley technical and all of these things. Um, but I, I just remember that sticking out so prominently because I'm, like, I, I believe if they hit that alley-oop, they cut it to a four-point game, and they ended up getting back in the game regardless um, down the line, obviously, but they had to dig out of a pretty deep hole a nine-point or a nine-point deficit at half. Um, but if you you make that shot, it's it's a four-point lead for USC. They miss that shot, so it stays six, and then Boogie Ellis goes down and hits a three, makes it nine, right? So that's a five-point swing right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, totally. Little plays like that that they're going to have to avoid, but – yeah, that's pretty obvious. Um, and that's just look like that's just been the story of this team. You know, it you take the good with the bad. That's just how it is because they they did play excellent defense. I mean, holding USC to twenty nine points in the first half, despite mm-hmm. like playing just awful offensively. I mean, they scored twenty points. Like that. It's so weird because you like don't deserve credit for playing terribly on offense, but you also deserve credit for being like, well, you're still in the game somehow. So it's like, uh, I don't know. It's the duality of it, but yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, you said it when you said that this Oregon State game tomorrow is not any sort of guarantee. It's just like, yeah, I, I can just feel that in my bone as an ASU fan. Like, well, yeah. I mean, no, if it makes you feel any better, I, I did look into it a little bit. Obviously, Oregon State and, and ASU are both coming off of extended rest. Um, and Oregon State, obviously, 11-20, and 20, not a great team. They played 12 games this year on four days of rest, or four or more days of rest, and they won one of them. <laughs> they are 1-11. They are 1-11 after four days of rest. Um, Bring the advanced metrics. Yeah, well, no, this is just team ranking drop-down menus. Hey. Really nothing too special, but... um Do advanced metrics. Yeah, and <laughs> ASU, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're diving in on Oregon State, and there's really no need to. It's a game that ASU should win. Oregon yep. State does not rebound the ball well, 31 per game. So ASU's Achilles heel is always the rebounds they allow opposing teams to to grab, right? Um so Oregon State shouldn't be killing them in that regard. It's just going to be a matter of 
scoring points, right? And the more points wins the game, obviously. Um, but if you continue to look at it, I mean, OSU four and 18 as an underdog, they run underdog a lot, six and 14 after a loss, one and 11 after four days off, um, and 0 and three at a neutral site this season. So again, a game ASU should absolutely take care of. Um, and I mean, once you dive in and look at the USC stuff, USC's numbers in this spot are, are pretty ridiculous. So it, it's, it's going to be tough if they clear this first very low hurdle, but. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. No, it's, it's, and we'll go, it's going to be tough to beat USC and that's basically going to be the season. Um, yeah. Some... Hopefully, hopefully it comes down to that, right? Hopefully oh, totally. we get a, a Thursday night game where it is essentially a, a win and in for the tournament. If you beat USC, that's what it seems like. I mean, not a hundred percent in, it looks like team ranking is giving them a, a 75% chance to make the tournament if they win two okay. uh two tournament Pac twelve tournament games. Um if they somehow get by U of A, it, obviously they're wow. they're gonna be in. But there's a pretty solid chance that they get in with two wins in this tournament. Yep. Because so. yeah, that would be a, a, that would be another uh good win, like quality one win over USC or quality one win. Quad one win. Yeah. Uh, and you get to 22 wins. I said on the last show, if you get to 22 wins, however it comes, then you're probably in the tournament. Um, it would have been nice if one of those wins was this past weekend. But uh, And the other thing you have to watch for is all these other teams on the bubble. And you have to watch for these potential bid stealers in these smaller leagues. Uh, so, for example, you wa- we should all want – College of Charleston. This game might be happening right now, actually. Yeah, know. it is. I was checking the score earlier. I think yeah, Charleston was winning. I'll, I'll get. Oh, they were because that's a team you want as an ASU fan, or really a fan of any bubble school. You want them just to win their conference tournament. So, so some, you know, bum school in their whatever the Colonial Athletic Conference or whatever they're in uh, yeah. doesn't go in instead, and you know, um, it's not. It, it's the best team from the conference. And <clears throat> what? Yeah, because they they would get an at large. They're thirty and three. Like if they yeah. if they lose this tournament, they should still be in the tournament, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um. The yeah. So UNC they're tied with UNC Wilmington right now with four minutes left. Oh boy. Um. So you, you do want Charleston to win that game, obviously. I don't For know. The first time in my in my life, don't go Seahawks. <laughs> is that is that their yeah? That's UNC Wilmington or the Seahawks. Oh, there you go. Yeah, nice, nice reference there. They, they've been in the tournament. They're actually a decent program, but uh, the Lumberjacks yeah, so, of NAU making it interesting. Well, did you see them hit? They hit like a walk-off three in their first-round game to move on. It's crazy. They're currently tied in the semis with Montana. There we go. Good job. An eleven and twenty-two team making it interesting. <laughs> what? If, what if NAU steals our bid? That would that be. Would, I, yeah. That would be, that would be so, yeah. after we beat them this year. We literally played them and beat them. Yeah, we beat them 84-68. NAU, GCU, that was ASU, the game Barclays. and U of A all get in. That would be that would be great. That would be the first time ever. Yeah, that'd be wild. Um but yeah, I mean it it's it's goes without saying this is going to be an extremely tough game. Um, ASU played them close, uh, but they'll be coming in. Obviously, they'll have to play on no rest, right? They'll have to go in, day off, play a 
day off of a, a, a win in the first round and play a USC team that hasn't played since the last time they beat ASU. So USC. I don't mind that. I mean, I, I don't mind the going last time. The last time ASU played on no rest, they beat Michigan by 25 points. <laughs> there, so, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. But they're also three and zero on the rest disadvantage, which. I mean, it's clearly a spot that they've they've been in before. They've had success in the spot before, but USC is also seventeen and two as a favorite this season, so they don't really drop the ball. And they're ten and four. Yeah. Um, that seven and zero on the rest advantage. I mean, it's no to beat USC. They're gonna need they're gonna need to have a, a good a few guys kind of get hot from three, kind of similar to the U of A game. I mean, uh, yeah. Gaffney had a good shooting day. Jemiah Neal had a good shooting day. Uh, that doesn't usually happen for ASU basketball, and they chose the absolute perfect game to do it. But um, that's kind of my thing with USC is ASU could win. It is like it is very possible that they could win, but you know I would not bet on it. <laughs> do not, yeah. I, I wouldn't bet on any ASU game. But they took they took ten more threes than USC in the last game. And only finished with one more make. Yeah. It's, they, they just, like, if you watch them play offensively, it's, it, it, it's bad. It's, it's ugly. one of the worst. I don't even, I can't even find words to, like, yeah. quantify it. It's just pass the ball to somebody who is blanketed over and over until that person, one of those people shoots the ball. There is no flow. There is no rhythm. Anytime they're on a fast break, you expect a a defensive stand by the other team. It can be a three-on-one, and you expect somebody to get swatted. There's just no – And when they're on the fast break, you're like, you guys need to score. You guys have to take advantage of this. Like, if you don't – On a three-and-one, or somebody stepping out to the three-point line and and pulling a three. It's it's just – Not the NBA. It's it's unreal. I mean, it fe- it feels like uh like when you like when you're rooting like the Bears have had so many teams like this over the years where like when you're rooting for a team that has a good defense and a bad offense, every interception you get it's like please take it to the house. You have to take it to the house, yeah, or at least get no, us like in the red zone so we can kick a field goal because we like if you get us to the opposing thirty, it, you know, <laughs> we could lose yardage. So it's like that's kind of how I feel with ASU hoops. It's like. Just go to the rack, get fouled or whatever. Like, don't do anything. But anyway. <clears throat> yeah. And the thing is, though, like, too, though, is they're, like, not even a particularly good shooting, like, a free throw no. team. So, I mean, U- a- USC allows opponent free throws, 17 opponent free throws on average per game. Or they're, they're, they're uh, picking up 17 personal fouls per game on average, USC. Right, so that yeah. seems like a pretty staggering number, seventeen point three over their last three games. That should lead to plenty of free throw opportunities for ASU. They had, um, I'm trying to pull it up here. I just just had it, and now I can't find it. The free throw number. Um, I believe they shot. I want to say it was like twenty nine. Oh, twenty eight free throws. They made twenty one, seventy five percent, which is kind of like right on par with their average. But that's a three point game, you know. Like yeah. 24, 24, 28 from the line and you're in overtime or oh, yeah, yeah, 24, 28. So it's taking advantage of those opportunities. USC is picking up 17 personal fouls a game. If those are all, obviously those aren't going to 
all lead to free throws. But what should, what does that lead to roughly? Like 25, 26 free yeah. throw attempts a game, yeah. something in that range. I mean, take advantage of those opportunities. USC isn't a particularly great rebounding team, but ASU gives up more rebounds than all but eight teams in the country. So I did not those, know that. That is, oh man. yeah, they're absolutely terrible rebounding the ball. Um, and you know, it's, I know USC is kind of like a longer team. They have a lot of like really lanky yeah. guys on that team that can go up and, and rebound and ASU. I mean, even Peterson. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and ASU tends to go smaller. They're not ever going to have like, I mean, Warren Washington is kind of their guy that they go to in terms of like that presence on the low block. But. Well, they, and they haven't been playing Foiachi anymore. Like they had him in during like the middle of the season, but now it's been Warren. Yeah, and then the the local kid, his name's escaping me, the freshman. Duke um, Brennan. Yeah, he has. Yeah, Duke Brennan. Those are really the only two big bodies they'll throw in there. Yeah. Um. And Brennan's but, like six eight. Like, yeah, and but they get killed on the glass either side. I mean, so that's going to be a huge disparity. Let gave up 39 rebounds in the last game to USC. They picked up 41, but 20 offensive rebounds is like unheard of. So you you can't expect that to happen again. You're going to have to get rebounds and hit free throws, and I think this game will be way closer than. I think the spread might indicate, but those are extremely big ifs with with ASU. If those two well, things happen, well, also like historically, the Sun Devils have just with, with Hurley at least have been bad in the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, 100%. last year was awful. Yeah, I think I think Hurley's like six and eleven or something in the Pac-12 yeah. tournament. I mean, it, it can't be that good. Like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but both of the years that we made it as um, you know, first four teams. I don't think we did what we, we may have won one game one year. Um, I don't, and then the years before that, no. And then the best year the team has in 2020, of course, no tournament. And then the 21 and 22, it wasn't much to speak of either. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's like a regression to the mean or something and they just go um, ball Yeah, out. that's, that's kind of my, my final. My final word on this is if ASU can rebound or can can keep USC off the glass a little bit. Yeah. Like keep them that 39 shrink that to like I don't know 33 something like that. Right. <laughs> and which is a huge if maybe shoot 80% from the free throw line, which is another that's going to be like overperforming. But those oh, are yeah. two things that that is gonna have to happen. You you have to get rebounds and you have to make free throws if you're gonna win this game. Yep, one hundred percent. Well, yeah, I think we kind of know what to look for going into uh, the Pac-12 tournament. Are real uh, quick? Do you think? Obviously, there's really not a case for Oregon at this point, right? Uh, I mean, they could win it. If I don't they think win, they if the they win the tournament, and what? maybe if they beat UCLA, then you got to look at them. Like so I'm just looking at another angle in this tournament that could, let's say, ASU beats Oregon State, beats USC. We're having this this celebration. We're all excited, but then you look at the other side of the bracket, and and Oregon's up ten against UCLA in the semis. 
you know? Yeah. And it's kind of like what happens there. Is Oregon going to get that bid if Oregon ends up beating UCLA and going to the final but losing to Right. UCLA? Well, and that's one of the things I was going to mention. You kind of just brought it up is if ASU is going to get in just by beating Oregon State and USC, you're going to need some teams on the bubble or around the bubble to not do well in their respective conference tournament, and that includes Oregon. Um, it, yeah. I mean, you're going to need Oklahoma State to lose early. Oh, what'd you say? I, no, I was just agreeing with you. I was saying even like you're saying other teams around the country, but like specifically in their own tournament, you need right. a team with a first round bye to to not make the final. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you just got to be watching for that around the country, you know. I'm looking at the teams in the first four out, Ben, on ESPN, again, just that's the one we're using. But you need Oklahoma State to not reel off a bunch of wins in the Big 12 tournament. Because if they win, like, two games in the Big 12 tournament, those teams are that they are playing are really good, then they'll move in. Wisconsin, you need them to fall on their face. Penn State, uh, Penn State Rutgers, Nevada, Utah State, Mississippi State, North Carolina, all these, all these teams that are kind of like ASU. Um, you need them to not do so well. So we'll see. Heading into the tournament, the Pac-12 tournament, uh, Asia head coach Bobby Hurley went on Arizona Sports 98.7 today, and he uh, didn't love how the uh, bracketologists and every all the, you know, where where ASU is at this moment. And he said, quote, on the radio station today, we have to go above and beyond to put ourselves in the conversation, dot, dot, dot. If you're going to be fatally judged by the third game of the season, then maybe we shouldn't have played the rest of the year. And he's referring yeah, if you didn't, to the, if you didn't the Texas play the rest Southern. Of, if you didn't play the rest of them, you wouldn't have lost by 30 to San Francisco. So that probably would have been a good strategy to just not play the rest of them. Yeah, I I do not see a lot of merit in what he said. The only the only possible way to spin this, if I'm being super ASU homer, is we shouldn't be behind some of these mid tier Big Ten teams like Penn State and Rutgers who don't have that great of records in Wisconsin. But that's about it because <laughs> there are other teams with better records that are on the bubble. In fact. If I'm a Clemson fan right now, they're 22 and nine. We're 20 and 11. So, and they're behind us. So it's not just woe is me that the committee isn't respecting ASU. I mean, it, it, we have to go above and beyond to put ourselves in the conversation. If you're going to be fairly judged with the third game of the season, maybe we shouldn't have played the rest of the year. Okay, I'm looking at ASU's schedule. We're going to the first game of the season when they played Tarleton State. And I was at that game. They could have easily lost that game. They won 62 to 59. That game was in doubt in the last like minute and a half, you know? So that could have easily been a loss. You get absolutely blown off the court at San Francisco. Just blown off the court. 37 points. Yeah. And, it, and for those of you who didn't watch that game, it should have been more. Like, it should have been more. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand why you even say something like that, knowing that you lost to San Francisco by 37 points. If you lose to them on the road, 
four days before Christmas, the day before Christmas break, whatever it is, like these are kids who are excited to by go ten home. points. All, yeah, all of that. If you lose that game on the road by like five, ten points, something like that, okay, it's a loss, so be it. But you lost by thirty-seven points. Yeah, like and so, insane. and here's the other thing. What if? Well, and Colton, the reason he's saying it is because he's a college basketball coach, and they're all paranoid and. I'm just, I'm, just hoping, I'm just hoping he's throwing that out there, kind of like uh, when, like, ridiculous coaches play the us-versus-the-world game, even though their team is, like, unanimously regarded as one of the best teams in their respective leagues. What like, can you ever be talking about? That a lot this year. You mean the last two teams to win the respective football championships in college football? Yeah, NFL? Like, exactly. No one, no one believed in us. Everybody doubted us. No, that's not true. So hopefully – He's trying to instill some of that where it's like us against the world. Nobody believes in us and, and trying. I like that. To, yeah, sure. And if it works, it works. That's totally fine. Right. Um, but, yeah, I just realized I'm looking through this schedule right here, and ASU has played three neutral site games, VCU, Michigan, and number 11 in terms of oh, that's rank right. on team rankings. Yeah, that was Creighton, and they're 3-0. and <laughs> They they play pretty well on that. A may be our court. best hope heading into this tournament. I, I don't know. I don't know. They play pretty well in a neutral court. So yeah. Well, anyway, regarding his comments, let's just take the beginning of the season out of it. Let's be, or I'm sorry, not the the uh, the non conference out of it because ultimately they did go like uh, they went third no uh, eleven and two in the non con I believe it was yeah because they went okay. Yeah, they went 11 and 2 in the non-con. They were ranked at one point uh before the San Francisco game, of course. But and but and they start 6 and 1 in Pac-12. And then this is where then you just start to see the Ls piling up. And this is for me this stretch, the losing 5 out of 6, losing to US UCLA at home, that was fine. I don't care. That I was at that game. ASU played well enough. Not well enough to win, but they brought like the competitive effort needed to. That game was close yeah. for a long time. Yeah, USC game says they lost by eight. They got they were down by like fifteen twenty points for a good chunk of that game. Okay, you lose those two, not looking great. Then you go on the road to Washington and you lose both. That is where that is where things really got off the rails. Was heading up to Washington and losing both of those games. I mean, and then you get back home. You beat Oregon State, lose to Oregon, and that that was a tough loss. But like, you you need to start winning these games after you lose four in a row, including a road sweep. Yeah. And then and then here's the other thing: you go. We see these at Stanford and at Cal games as wins on the schedule right now. Those games were in doubt the entire time against two. Well. Stanford's just a run-of-a-mill, bad college basketball team. Cal was, like, one of the worst college basketball teams in the country, and you had to go to overtime to beat them. Probably, so, like, the worst. They're, they, they, they're in the discussion. They're the worst out of the Power Five. It's either them or Louisville, which yeah. it's weird to put Louisville in that sense. But And then you get back home after barely beating Cal, and then you lose to Colorado at home. And it was nice. It, look, it was nice to beat Utah. That was a good win. Obviously good to beat U of A. I'm going to be the negative Nancy here and say you won that game because of a last second, like, miracle shot. So, like. They did put up 89. They did. 
But like that's, I, pretty, that's pretty solid. I mean, it's an outlier. It's a weird rivalry game. All of that. Right. I, I don't really take that as like, wow, they they're capable of this offensively. No, yeah. they just somehow the ball was finding the the bottom that of the day, net yeah. in this particular game. Yeah. Well, there's and, nothing and, about that that was sustainable that they could tap into again. No. And and my whole point on this is it wasn't just the third game of the year, Mr. Hurley. It wasn't. Okay. It's for me. It's the mid-tier stretch where you lose five of six mm-hmm. in the season. That's what really got things. Because I mean, we were talking about this. Like that's that's when you're like, oh, now like we have to be really good at the end of the year because we all knew going into the end of the year having two games at, for in the LA schools to end the season that's going to be very difficult. So you have to have your case built up by then and be who you're supposed to beat. And they didn't do that on a consistent enough basis. And now we are yeah. where we are needing two wins in the Pac-12 tournament to hopefully get in the NCAA tournament. So It's it's weird because I'm looking at this schedule, right? And I, I understand losing the Washington State game. You're on the road. You no, I'm not Washington. mad about that. Yeah. Yeah. But that Washington game, if you win that game – and no, we're in. Colo- if you win that game and you beat Colorado at home, or you just go one and one, this isn't even a discussion. You exactly. win. You, I, maybe you win one game in the Pac-12 tournament and you're in. You might even be in without winning a game. Yeah, like you have the. We probably have to beat Oregon. Definitely. State. We would probably have to beat Oregon State, but yes, you're right. So, so to undermine his entire argument, it's like. How many games do you play? You play 31, right? They've played 31 so far. Yeah, they're 2011. You've played 31 games, and there are two games against the 100th best team in the country, according to this this metric, and the 62nd best team in the country, according to this metric. And you can't beat them to put yourself in a position where you don't have to put it in the hands of these people that you think are entirely biased. Right. So right. I, I don't really feel any sort of sympathy for this third game of the season No, stuff. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, and like I brought up a, a few minutes ago, it's like if you're Clemson's coach, you go 22-9, and nine, and now you have to hear that ASU is – I mean, I'm sure they're not, like, reading the ASU sports media or whatever, but, like, the Clemson coach can make this argument too. They have a better record than ASU, so, like – you're not. It's not like you're. It's not like they're focusing in on. Oh, how are we going to make sure ASU is in the tournament? Like, I would love to believe that the committee is screwing us. Like, it's always better to believe that instead of the just you weren't good enough. But I don't know. It's it. It didn't like get me that annoyed honestly this morning when I read it. But then just like looking through the schedule, I'm like, dude, you have no argument here. Like, yeah. It's, you should be I, more mad at your team for getting swept in Washington and losing home to Colorado. Those, if you go, if you split those games or at Washington and at Colorado, you're, you're in. So I, and, I have to, I have to think just like he has to be, there has to be another reason why he said that. Like he has to be trying to motivate his team. He can't truly be that naive to the fact that. Like you just said, a split in those two very winnable games, and you're not even in this position. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think, okay, let's kind of bring this up now. Let's say we do lose to Oregon State tomorrow. Very, very much in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Bobby Bobby Hurley, um, 
I think he has like one year left on his contract after this. What do you do if you're ASU? Or oh, let me let me ask this again. What do you do? What do you think ASU will do? And what would you do if you were the decision makers? Well, you write out the contract. I think. I think in the grand scheme, it's like the Pac-12 this year. I mean, it's very very top heavy, right? Yeah. With UCLA, U of A, USC. Um, and then it's kind of like middle of the tier teams, like Wazoo is one of those teams. And I think we're slightly, it, we're kind of in the same tier as Wazoo at this point. Wazoo um, has better metrics than we do, but yeah. Yeah, like co- comparable at least, right, right? Right, So you're a top half of the Pac-12 team. Pretty, pretty. 20 pretty wins. Good. 20 wins. Which is um, not nothing any, for ASU. Any record as much in conference, right? I mean. Again, not a great conference, but conference games are conference games. Those are always weird, right. uh, familiar opponents, that sort of thing. Going on the road, all of that. There's there's variables that are in play here. I mean, you, there's one more year on the deal. You decide to not renew the deal, and then you move on. And make or do well? Do, do you give him like a two year extension or something? Just to kind well, of keep I, can. I mean. I, I probably – I don't know. Because it, it, it is kind of impressive what happened this year in the sense that he really did kind of rebuild this team through the transfer portal, right? And yeah. put together this roster and – It's competent. You know, it's a competent roster that is that is on the fringe of making the NCAA tournament, which isn't something we could have said last year, right? No. So this year was a step in the direction, but it's not like – a step in the right direction, I mean. But it's not like this is a team that's going to grow and, and improve next year. All of these guys are going to be gone. Yeah. You know? So that's that's the dilemma that you get with this transfer portal era is, is there's so much pressure on these coaches to, like – and maybe he's good enough as a personality and a recruiter. In terms of a coach, I don't know how great he is. The fact that the offensive philosophy is play hard on defense and you can do whatever you want on offense. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, it's funny because there's no way that's the actual like what they want to do, but it it uh, looks like that a lot. One hundred percent, what it looks like. And yeah. given, I mean, given everything going on right now and and what they've done, the position that they're in, we we act frustrated because of all of these things. But you know, we could be Stanford, who who drastically underachieved this year, right? We were Stanford last year. That's what I'm saying, right. So there there has been underwhelming seasons, but I think ASU has become a somewhat steady presence where their their ceiling isn't ever extremely high, but their floor hasn't really ever been extremely low under Hurley. Right. Um, Obviously, you don't want to shoot for that, but is there really a candidate out there that's going to – you know, join next season. What did you say? Rick Pitino. Oh yeah, there you go. I own <laughs> Chris Beard. Uh, uh, Just hire the most like problematic yeah. former college basketball coach. You gotta, you gotta have a good PR team for those. Pitino's um, Yeah. Uh, so you know, I don't. I, it's tough. I don't know. I wouldn't fire him. If that answers the yeah. question, I think I'd stick it out. Um, try to, he's obviously proven to be somewhat competent in this new era of the transfer portal. This team is 
an indication of that. I, I, everybody wants to overreact and, and kind of knee jerk. We need to be in the tournament. He's not doing what he needs to do, but like how realistic is that on a year in year out basis? Yeah. Right. So I think this is a good spot to be in. They're not, they don't need anything like otherworldly to happen in the tournament. True. They need to win two games to have roughly a 75% chance of making it into this tournament, depending on what happens in other conference tournaments. I think that's a great spot to be in. And then who knows? UCLA was the first four team when they went to the, it's true. the, the final four. four, you know? So it's a weird year, obviously, and that's an apples and oranges comparison. Uh, but I, I guess yeah, we'll no, I got, yeah. tomorrow. Tomorrow, this could be a moot point. If, if they lose to Oregon State, then – I don't know. That would be catastrophic. (laughs) If they lose to Oregon State, I don't know what's going to happen. But my thing with Bobby, and look, if you've watched this, like obviously I haven't been like super (laughs) complimentary of it uh, in this episode. But for this is ASU basketball that we're talking about. Okay, the arena is ancient. (laughs) When you walk into, I, I like Desert Financial Arena. I do, but it is like walking into a, uh, a time machine and going back to like the mid seventies because that's <laughs> like no updates. The, it is extremely old. The the like uh, the sound is awful. <laughs> like is and uh, like the in game presentation. Like they do the best they can, but I mean they have like one old like uh, scoreboard thing hanging down and that's it. <laughs> and then you look over across the street at the hockey arena and it's like state of the art. Um, so they that's have really, like, really nice cheap seats. Yeah, th- exactly. That is, that is one thing it does have, but um, that, so that's one thing that ASU is not a basketball school. Like it's just not like it may be if we get an awesome head coach and like, they stack up great seasons, then they'll become a good basketball school, then sure. But, like, historically, they're not a great basketball school. Presently, they're not a great basketball school. Like, it, the ASU fan base, like, it's it's hard it's hard enough to, for them to, like, be, like, an insane, passionate, like, football fans. Then you add in, like, it's just it, – the, the proof is in the pudding with that. Um, and so all of those reasons – and, like, Hurley has made us competent. Made the tournament twice, would have made it a third time. You are in the mix this year, and like worst case scenario is you're like the number one seed in the NIT, um, which it I don't know the analogy I'm gonna make, but like it's not the best thing, but it's not the worst thing, you know. And so I think if if this were at a lot of other Power Five schools, I think Bobby would be gone. But just since ASU right now, it's like. And they also just fired, you know, they're just dealing with the remote, you know, quitting slash firing of Herm Edwards, you know, and all the money that was in and hiring a new coaching staff in football and all this. So, like, it just seems very unlikely, even as disappointing as a loss tomorrow to Oregon State would be. And, like, a part of me, if that happened, I would not be like, oh, we, we, Bobby's set in stone, he'll never leave. Like, I wouldn't say that. But it's just like when you factor everything in, and a lot of the external factors, it's like, who are you getting that's better? Exactly. Because the alternative I think, is there a, a more capable alternative available? Probably not. Well, Rick Pitino, but like Michael Crow is not going to hire Rick Pitino. Oh, and the other thing is like, 
do you trust the people making the hire? Do you trust Ray Anderson to make another head coaching hire? I mean, he, the women's basketball team had a awful year under their new head coach who Ray Anderson hired. Like, I just don't trust him to make another, to, to make a good hire with this, you know? And so it's like with Bobby Hurley, it's like the known, it's, it's the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't, you know, um, you, you, you know what it's going to be. And sometimes it's going to look just absolutely excruciating to watch. But at the end of the year, it's like, eh, okay, we're in the mix. You know, we had a few upsets. We play hard on defense, yada, yada, you know. So roundabout answer. I just, I just, what? Sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I just think it's like a 30, 70 chance that if you fire Bobby, that you get someone who is meaningfully better. You know, it, and it's a much higher chance that you just hire someone and they're like, oh, I can't overcome all this. Like, after you recruit to this arena, yada, yada, and then you just become even worse. So I think you keep Bobby and see where things are at the end of next year. Uh, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe he just takes a job on the East Coast or something. But it does seem like he does like coaching ASU and he has passion for the program. You cannot, like, you cannot say that, like, he doesn't care about the job. Uh because he does. So that that is in like a, a lot of ASU basketball coaches may not be in that situation. So that's one thing to consider as well. And I'm inclined to think we'll be watching a meaningful basketball game on Thursday. There we go. Well, we're actually going to uh, quickly uh, just kind of pick the Pac-12 tournament. Um, getting the screen sharing set up right now. I'll just do. Um, hold on. It's a super, super high, high level operation we got here. I got the bracket. We'll just try to just go like game by game down the line. Yeah. All right. You start. I got it. Up. Round, I'll do the, and then I'll go after you. But how about we just? Oh yeah. Okay. So I think. Um, oh man, I'm gonna take Colorado to beat Washington. Um. Washington has not been playing well recently. Definitely taking Wazoo to beat Cal. I think Wazoo could easily win the Pac-12 tournament. I think they're the biggest dark horse. Utah versus Stanford. I'm going to take Utah. And then ASU versus Oregon State. 8.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Oh, man, that's late. Uh, I will take ASU. All right, I'm going Colorado. Okay. I'm going Wazoo. My upset is going to be Stanford over Utah. Ooh, boy. And then ASU beats Oregon State. Okay. So you have Colorado-UCLA, too, right? Yeah, we have the same, except you have Stanford versus Arizona. And Stanford's not winning another game, so. Okay. So back to me. Yeah. I have UCLA over Colorado. You know what? I'm going to get spicy with this. I think Wazoo beats Oregon. I think uh, Arizona beats Utah. I want I want to pick ASU to beat USC. I just don't trust them at all. I'm going to pick USC. All right, I'm going UCLA. Yep. This is a tough – Wazoo versus Oregon is so tough. I think it's such going to be such a tight game. I'll ride with you on that, too. I think Washington State beats Oregon. Wazoo is a better team right now than ASU. Yeah, 
Yeah, like, I think UCLA Washington State is going to make for a very compelling semifinal. I'll I'll go ASU. I think something's okay. going to happen. ASU somehow going to pull pull that win off. I think it's going to happen. I hope you're right. ASU U of A in the semis, and then UCLA Wazoo in the the other side. Okay, I have UCLA Wazoo too. I'm just going to pick UCLA, and then I have Arizona and USC. I'm picking Arizona, and I'll just go to the champ. And then I think UCLA wins it all. I know they have uh, one of their guys are out, but I just think they're the most complete team in the Pac-12. Yeah, um, U of A is the second best team, clearly too. So. Yeah, Jalen Clark is out. I haven't yeah. seen any updates on him. He's their second leading scorer, um, UCLA. So I, this is tough. And I, I know UCLA is going to play hard and, and all of that. I almost think by this point, they're in the semifinals. I don't know if they have a ton to play for. Obviously, they're going to be playing for a number one seed, but it's kind of between them and Purdue. Right. Who's going to get that number one? Um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think UCLA is the type of team to get complacent. I could absolutely see U of A being the team that gets a little complacent. Well, um, U of A is just so much worse on defense compared to. Yeah, U. that's why I'm saying I, I think you, you, if anybody's going to get complacent in this tournament, maybe get a little lazy and look at a little bit, it's going to be U of A. I don't know if UCLA. Is like is that way, but I think I think I'm gonna pick this upset again, and I'm gonna go Wazoo beats UCLA. I think UCLA looks ahead a little bit, and I think that loss of Jalen Clark is gonna hurt. Um, okay. but I UCLA is my national championship pick. I think they're gonna win it all. Oh yeah. I just don't know if they're as concerned with this tournament. I don't know if they have a whole lot to play for, and and who knows if Purdue is bounced by this point, they probably have that number one seed locked up. Number two, so, Purdue's been kind of fading down the stretch, too. That's what I'm saying. So I, I think Wazoo is going to beat UCLA and make it to the final. Um, I think we're going to get an ASU-U of A semifinal. U of A wins in the, the rubber match um, and then ultimately wins the tournament. But Wazoo getting there, um, I, you know, I don't really know. That wouldn't really make things interesting on the bubble, would it? Wazoo. With Wazoo getting to the final? Wazoo pretty much has to win to get in. Okay. So ASU gets into the tournament. U of A wins the Pac-12 championship. Wazoo gets to the final. A pretty compelling four days. Okay. That would be great if if that happens. Um, We'll see. But, yeah, I mean, it, it should be interesting. Because I think the motivation factor with UCLA uh, and the fact that they're without Clark, that does kind of open the door for some of the more mid-tier teams in the conference to dream of, oh, maybe we could, you know. Yeah, that's that's the thing that I think comes into play a little bit with some of these conference championships is everybody's going to go and play hard. But if you catch a team looking ahead a little bit, especially a team like that's as accomplished as UCLA that doesn't have – as much possibly to play for in terms of like their season ending, I think you might you might catch some teams lacking a little bit. I don't think UCLA is built like that though, so it would not surprise yeah. me if they just throttled through this tournament. Um, 
But again, I'm going I'm going Wazoo to come out and, and ride that momentum a little bit. I feel that. Well, hopefully your predictions are right with this. Um, do you want to add anything more on the basketball side before we kind of switch into some football news and notes? Not really. It's the, the best time of the year. Can't wait. Uh, ASU or no ASU, uh, Thursday, March 16th is my Christmas, so I'm looking forward to it. It the the first few days of the tournament are always great every year. Um, all right, well, we have some in, there's some interesting realignment stuff I want to get to or potential realignment stuff, but I do uh, I do want to bring up something about ASU's spring football uh, season practices. That's a better word. Spring football practices. Uh, spring football actually starts on March 14th, which is a week from when we're recording. So, you know, we're going to go kind of dive deeper into some of the more uh, interesting spring football topics as the uh, spring football plays out. There's just so many new guys on the team. I mean, I feel like every single position group is a position battle, you know, which is uh, other than tight end. We are loaded at tight end. But, um, I mean, it's the – yeah. But anyway – Spring football's revving up, and ASU will have a little bit more attention at its actual spring game due to a uh, a podcast group coming in and uh, visiting. And it's going to be uh, the show Bussin' with the Boys uh, with – are they both former NFL players? I know Will Compton is. Is Taylor Lewan still in the NFL? I don't know. Yeah, he just got cut um, by the so – He's he's probably gonna get picked up and play. Oh, okay. So anyway, so busting with the boys, it's like a. I don't listen to it. I see some interviews with it, but basically, it's just uh, Will Compton and Taylor Lewan just bring on like a lot of athletes and just talk about life and their sport or whatever. And but they also they're a very interactive show. Will Compton's a good Twitter follow, um, and they're going to six schools: March fifteenth, South Carolina. March 22nd, Texas, March 29th, Ohio State, March, April 5th, LSU, April 12th, Colorado, April 15th, ASU spring game. It's pretty awesome that, like, ASU is in the mix with those schools. Um, you know, you have Texas, LSU, Ohio State, South Carolina kind of sticks out, and then Colorado makes sense with Dion. But it and for them to end the tour there for your actual spring game, too, like that – that's the power of Dillingham, and I know that, like, that, you know, it doesn't add up in wins and losses, but that's good. Like, if you're a high schooler, you probably, you, you probably watched Bustin' with the Boys before, you know, if you're a high school football player. So, yeah. it's just getting your name out there even more. Definitely. Nothing wrong with more exposure. Um, and def- that, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the fact that this shows, target demographic is like those yes. you know, 18 to 26 year olds, right? Which is right. what you're trying to recruit. Um, so them kind of identifying that brand and, and seeing them at ASU and making that association, I don't know, maybe that helps a little bit, but it can't hurt. Yeah, totally. And I just think, I just think it's cool that Dillingham has like, is, is like open to this kind of stuff, you know, I'm not that Herm Edwards yeah. wouldn't be, but like they just would never consider coming here, you know, unless we were really yeah, really. Yeah, Dillingham is 
he's kind of that he, – he gives that energy where you're going to see guys like that, you know, like that that younger demographic and, and that sort of like trendy – I don't know how to describe what I'm looking for, but it, like the, the yeah. word I'm trying to use, but he's more of a – he's like a trendier guy, right? Yeah, totally. Um, he's I, like I get what you're saying. more appealing guy, um, which, is, which is great. So it's already worked with recruits and, and transfers a little bit. Yeah, totally. So not a whole bunch of like on the field ASU football stuff. I know, uh, I forgetting the date. I think it's late, late, like late this month. They have a, a pro day for some of the guys that didn't go to the combine. Obviously, Nesta Jade Silvera did go to the combine defensive tackle. We'll see where he goes in the draft, but the guys at the pro day would be like Merlin Robinson, Kyle Sowelli, Xavier Valde, who should have gone to the combine in my opinion, but. Um, hopefully those guys ball out there so they can make an NFL roster. Um, all right, now on to some realignment stuff. Uh, Are we trying to break a, a record of, here, Mark? What? Are we trying to break a record here? There's a lot to get to. I know I, I know that we're going long, but there's a lot to get to, and we'll, we'll, we'll run through this. But um, this was on Friday, Stuart Mandel – comes out with a story and basically the gist of it is people inside the big 12 believe they'll land pac 12 schools as soon as this month people inside the pac 12 insist no one is jumping unless it's a like very bad tv deal and experts project a very similar dollar number so that's kind of the whole backdrop is we're all waiting for whatever the media deal is going to be what the per school number will be compared to that of the big 12 and if schools leave you know which we don't know. There's a, there's a ton of rumors out there that are like, oh, four score, four corner schools are ready to jump. U of A is ready to jump. Colorado's ready to jump. Um, who knows? <laughs> That's all I have to say to that because it could happen. Don't get me wrong, but I just I don't know if these university presidents are just like gonna go on a on just a whim. You know, they it'll be after the TV deal comes out. Um, that I agree with. I, you know, I don't have a whole lot to add. I'm just this is what, some of those things that I'm just like keeping an eye on, getting the updates. That's interesting. That's interesting. That's interesting. totally until there's like actual tangible news. It's all just kind of smoke from here. It is, and that's okay. A little bit of a rant. One thing I hate about this realignment thing is that so many of these stories, it's just the same story repurposed. It's mm-hmm. oh, the the, the Big Twelve schools have reached out to the Pac twelve schools. It's like okay. Cool. Like none of this, none of this matters until the TV deal gets signed, which could be like at the end of the month. Like the Pac-12, the only people that have the actual any control in this are the ten Pac-12 presidents and chancellors, and George Klafkoff to some extent. But so that that just irks me. But uh, John Canzano, who's up in Oregon, um, he had some very interesting nuggets. Also on Friday, he says Oregon is quote way on board with the Pac-12, which to me that means they ha- they aren't they know they aren't getting the Big Ten invite. Which my thing is they would have gotten it by now. You know, you, the Big Ten could have just looped them in when they added the LA schools. Um, they have also have uh, voted to approve quote further exploration of four universities. He mentions SMU, San Diego State. He also throws in Colorado State. Uh, but in the article, it's 
the Colorado State mentions more of like a kicking the tires on him. Um, so we'll see. And then this is the big, uh, big paragraph for me. Several Pac-12 sources say they're confident in the con- they're confident the conference will match or beat the Big 12's announced 3.7 and you thir- 31.7 million annual media rights distribution figure. On Friday, one well-placed conference source called being in the vicinity of that number, quote, a layup. So people inside the Pac-12, according to Kanzano's reporting, seem confident that they're going to stick together and, you know, get a number that's uh, good per year payout that's good enough to not woo anyone, not have anyone leaving. Yeah, well, that would be... Ideal, I guess. I don't, I mean, again, I'm just like, I, I kind of have fatigue with this whole thing. I'm just like, right. I want something to happen. I don't really care anymore. I'm just like, give me something tangible. Give me actual news. Yeah. So, no, I, I, no, I get your side of it, but like, it's still important to like the future of ASU football. No, 100%. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just right. like, I want something to happen. So. Right. Totally. I, I, Believe me, I'm I'm with you too. Um, and who, I mean, I hope the next time we record, there will be something tangible. But who knows? So, anyway, that's a long story short of saying the presidents, the people in the know, supposedly, reportedly, feel good about where the negotiations are. Um, and Colton, you don't really like from from what you can read is that it's like it's a if they do get a deal together, it'll be ESPN with a good chunk of it, and then. Amazon and Apple with a lot of the other. And we're both kind of I, I love I love that there is hopefully going to be a streaming option. Yeah. That's I think that's awesome. And um I anything that gets fewer games on the Pac twelve I am in favor of. Well and there's a there's a lot of report or rumors, smoke, whatever you want to call it, that like the pack, they, like one of the like the Pac-12 network, like all the equipment, everything might get sold to one of these companies as part of the deal, and so hey, they can just use it and just put the Apple logo on it or whatever. So uh, that could help. The, yeah. the one saving grace of the Pac-12 network. And then there's one more. This is really out in the uh, ether, but it is interesting. So I'm reading a tweet from Stuart Mendel, athletic uh, editor in chief of college football. He, and this is he's sharing a video on Twitter. So former ESPN president John Skipper, who negotiated the ACD, the ACC's infamous 20 year deal, says the league should address its revenue problem by merging with the Pac-12. And he went on. Uh, I retweeted this with the Twitter account. He went on the uh, David Sampson's show, who's a former sports executive um, it's just interesting. You have the former president of ESPN saying, hey, this could actually work, you know. I mean, being yeah. in – I don't know if it would be like, oh, we're in the ACC or it's like a scheduling agreement or something, but who knows, man. This is interesting. It's ASU could be in the Big 12. It could be playing like a half-conference game against North Carolina State or or it'll just be business as usual. <laughs> in the Pac-12, except with a team from Texas in it. So, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to monitor for sure. I'll be looking forward to the news dropping. Yeah, I feel that. I agree. Um, ASU 
at least with ASU, again, they have options, it looks like. So thank you, Phoenix Media Market, propping up our mediocre athletic department. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, you got anything to add before tomorrow's game? Uh, no, just if you're you're still here and you're still listening, uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Or maybe um, just fast forwarded to the end. Which is what I do when it's a mark only episode. Hey, as long as the view still counts, it's all that matters, bud. All right, I well, guess. yeah. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we kind of went long this episode, but there was a lot to get to. And as we end the show, as we always end this show, go Devils. Oh, there you go.